Welcome to the Daily Bite with your host, Reverend Steve Andrews. Today, we see really the first beginning of Saul's work as king in 1 Samuel chapter 11. Then Nahash the Ammonite went up and besieged Jabesh Gilead, and all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, Make a treaty with us, and we will serve you. But Nahash the Ammonite said to them, On this condition I will make a treaty with you, that I gouge out all your right eyes, and thus bring disgrace on all Israel. The elders of Jabesh said to him, Give us seven days respite, that we may send messengers throughout all the territory of Israel. Then if there is no one to save us, we will give ourselves up to you. When the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul, they reported the matter in the ears of the people, and all the people wept aloud. Now behold, Saul was coming from the field behind the oxen. And Saul said, What is wrong with the people, that they are weeping? So they told him the news of the men of Jabesh. And the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul when he heard these words, and his anger was greatly kindled. He took a yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces, and sent them throughout all the territory of Israel by the hand of the messengers, saying, Whoever does not come out after Saul and Samuel, so shall it be done to his oxen. Then the dread of Yahweh fell upon the people, and they came out as one man. When he mustered them at Bezek, the people of Israel were three hundred thousand, and the men of Judah thirty thousand. And they said to the messengers who had come, Thus shall you say to the men of Jabesh-Gilead, Tomorrow, by the time the sun is hot, you shall have salvation. When the messengers came and told the men of Jabesh, they were glad. Therefore the men of Jabesh said, Tomorrow we will give ourselves up to you. You may do to us whatever seems good to you. And the next day Saul put the people in three companies, and they came into the midst of the camp in the morning watch, and struck down the Ammonites until the heat of the day. And those who survived were scattered, so that no two of them were left together. Then the people said to Samuel, Who is it that said, Shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that we may put them to death. But Saul said, Not a man shall be put to death this day, for today Yahweh has worked salvation in Israel. Then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal, and there renew the kingdom. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before Yahweh in Gilgal. There they sacrificed peace offerings before Yahweh, and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. This is the word of the Lord. Really a question right off the bat here um, to ask as a family and to consider together what all sins do we see in the Israelites here? In what ways do we see them not act faithfully toward the Lord? There are, there are several, and I'll try and point them out as we're going through, um, but hopefully some of them jumped out at you already. Uh, some of the just strange ways that they were acting. Now, we're going to start with verse 1. Nahash the Ammonite. It's worth remembering, God created all people. Adam and Eve is where it started. Um, and really, you can then go to Noah and his wife, that everyone is a descendant of Noah and his wife. Everyone in this world comes from those two people. Quite something to think about. So all these enemies of God that we're going to see, the enemies of God's people, Israel, they have roots in God's family tree. Nahash is a descendant of Lot, the 
the nephew of Abraham. Ammon is off to the east of the promised land. It's off to the east of Israel, uh, the Jordan River. And Jabesh Gilead is also going to be out east of the Jordan River, uh, just up north of the Jabbok River. Is a, a good location, a, a way to look at a map and kind of see where this city is at. It happens to be a common place of contention for both Saul and David as they wrestle with the Ammonites and the Philistines in the many years to come. This first verse gives us one of those ways that the people of Israel were not faithful to God. When they were besieged, when an enemy was uh, laying force upon them, They responded by giving in, by offering up a treaty, asking for their enemy to take them, rather than trusting in the Lord to save them. After the condition comes back harsh, we'll talk about that in a moment, the people change their tune, and now suddenly the people look for salvation from still not quite the Lord, but at least from the Lord's people. Just a faithless move here, not trusting that the Lord will care for them, and then not trusting in the way that the Lord has even recently said that he will care for them through Saul. They just say, we'll send men all throughout Israel, and maybe somebody will come to save us. So, um, not good. Not good at all. Verse 2, so it's Nahash's condition, which is that he can gouge out all the right eyes. That is... You know, you can think of the the humiliation, the embarrassment of that, um, that that would cause. But it's also a military move. If you want to look at it on Nahash's behalf here, if he does that to all of his enemies that he allows to live, they're less likely to be able to ever cause him trouble again. Depth perception is gone. And that really is a hinder on the battlefield whether it's shooting uh, from a bow and arrow or if it's fighting uh, with spear or sword or shield or whatever it might be, depth perception is is a helpful tool in how God has created his, his people. It's kind of a surprise in verse 3 that Nahash would go along with their request for seven days of, of a break. So let's take seven days from this fight and... Uh, We'll pick it up there. Either we'll be your servants or we're going to have a savior who's going to defeat you. Nahash agreed uh, to allow this time, um, uh, most likely for the sake of sparing his soldiers from further bloodshed, thinking nobody would come to their rescue in seven days' time. They'll just give themselves up. Hey, we can have seven days of rest. That's the most likely scenario here for Nahash. Verse 6, after hearing it, uh, Saul had been out with his oxen in the field. Interesting thing for a king. Uh, After hearing this, though, the Spirit of God, in verse 6, rushes upon Saul. This is what he's come for. It was chapter 9, verse 16, and also chapter 10, verse 1. This is what Saul has come to do, to save God's people Israel from their enemies. That's why God has installed him as king, anointed him as king. So, Saul is going to get to do what God has given him to do. But he's also going to do what God warned the people about. 1 Samuel 8, the king was going to come with a a terrible cost. 
He would do all these terrible things to God's people. And we see that start right here. It's the first act we really see from Saul as king. And already, what does he do? He threatens his own people. He compels them via violence to join the fight. The warning of chapter 8 is already unfolding right before their eyes. The dread of Yahweh falls upon the people. So the fear of God struck them. Not just of Saul, but because Saul is God's appointed. Now that, now that that's the case, then this fear of the Lord is appropriate as well. 330,000 men gathered together. That force marching on Nahash would have been overwhelming. Bezek, the place where they gathered together, is west of Jerusalem. Um, so they've got a ways to travel to get up to Jabesh Gilead by, by foot. But they march it, and they they do it in a day. That's impressive. If you look at a geographical map of this, that's, that's probably 30 miles. That was a long day's journey for them to travel. But they do, and the fight happens, and it's such an overwhelming rout on behalf of God's people, uh, King Saul's victory here, that the Ammonites are scattered, as we read in verse 11, so that those who survived, no two of them were left together. So their force was so decimated that as the people fled, they were all, all alone, isolated individuals. Verse 12, we're reintroduced to that group of people that had doubted Saul's reign and had not honored the king in the previous chapter. And here, the other Israelites want to put those men to death. They didn't trust in this king. Look what this king just did for us. Look how wonderful this king is. These men didn't want this king. Let's get rid of them. Does that sound like a godly thing to do? So another one of those uh, sinful kind of ways of responding to what we see. What we think of the Lord normally doing for his people. Saul's response is good, actually, here. Saul's not always going to be a good king, but this is a great response. Not a man shall be put to death this day, for today Yahweh has worked salvation in Israel. Today, God has saved his people, so why should we kill them? <laughs> well done, Saul. Well done. We then get their celebration. They sacrifice peace offerings. They rejoice in Gilgal, another city in the nation of Israel. 